Well, hey, folks. Welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast with me, Eric Hollinsworth, and G.B. Meyer. So thanks for joining us. In this episode of the Not Necessarily Mad podcast, we look at our early musical imprints and how they form our musical taste today. So let's get right to it. Hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How's it going? You know, man, I am finer than fine this week. It's been <laughs> a really, really good couple of days. So yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, not the usual. Considering the yeah, circumstances. Yeah, all things considered, I guess it's pretty good. Better yeah, than man. a sharp yeah. stick in the eye. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, you know, I have a, I actually have a gig that I'm excited about <laughs> for oh. a change. Instead of some of the sonic wallpaper that usually happens, um, <laughs> I'm I'm playing in a, a jazz, an outdoor jazz festival this weekend. So really, I'm, uh, I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. Um, yeah. So is it uh, a, is your is it your flat five lineup? It it is a flat five lineup, and then I'm I've been asked to fill in for a uh, um, a group out of uh, out of Lexington, Virginia. Oh wow! Uh, the Vosbin McGee Big Band, although for COVID reasons we're cutting back to a nine piece. So it's uh you know it's it's a good weekend. Two 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 sets of sets two sets of jazz music on a Saturday afternoon and I'm still gonna be home before like eight o'clock. Oh so that's I'm just, cool. I'm excited. Wait, is it near Lynchburg, did you say? It's in. It's actually uh, right outside Roanoke in a little town called Salem, Virginia. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I yeah, know Salem. So, yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Well, that's something to look forward to for sure. It, it, exactly, and uh, got us kind of thinking in a musical musical vein, as it were, over over our last little meeting that we had a production meeting, and um, you know, one one of the things that you and I are always talking about is sort of what what our influences are. Right. And, you know, um, within that conversation, which is always so enjoyable, and I think maybe for some reason, the fact that you and I are only months apart in age, we have this very shared context of what was what was around and when in time. It gives a it gives, I don't know, a particular facet to this. But I know this. Um, I saw a thing on social media I think Boiling Guitarist had put it out on their social, and it said, right. what band do you love because of your dad? And wow. uh, Yeah. That's a good question. It was. And what struck me was, I thought, my first reaction was, well, there's no band that I love because of my dad. But then as I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. For, right. My first reaction was Teenage Rebellion. No. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Right. Uh, yeah, but actually, as I kind of uh, thought about it and unraveled it and even considered how I would answer, um, it occurred to me that, in fact, uh, it wasn't just my dad, but there was also other factors inside of this musical in- imprint. And uh, and I thought we'd compare notes, and, and I, I have a bit of a theory on it. Okay. And, and that is, I think before you can actually steer... Um, steer the radio dial as it were i mean obviously kids have access to tablets and whatever other you know digital devices now but before you can actually steer your choices a great deal of what you're listening to is is a passive collection um and you combine that with the fact that your sense of context is going to be only limited to what you know as you know a greater reality and that can be pretty pretty narrow because you're young so 
I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to go back to maybe about the age of second grade and backward and thought about, well, what did my dad like? What did my mom like? What was playing around me? And I figured out that that's a really big imprint on me. And I don't know if you've ever thought about those earliest years and who listened to what, uh, which parent and their taste or what local taste exposure um, that was around you might have impacted what you like. Actually, it, it, it did, because when I, when I started doing the, you know, I jokingly call it research for the, for the podcast, which is just me sitting around with a cold drink, figuring out what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk <laughs> right. about when we talk about stuff. But yeah, you know, I looked at it and, you know, I kind of did, all right, much like you, I went, all right, who, who are the earliest influences? Well, it's going to be because of a lack, I'm, I'm the oldest of, of my, my parents had two kids and I'm the oldest, so there right. was no older sibling to hand down right, their likewise. musical taste. Yeah. Right. My sister got a crap ton of stuff from me and <laughs> some of it she, she digs and some of it not so much. But, um, you know, so you're looking at, you know, mom and dad first and foremost. Um, I was, I was blessed with a really close knit extended family on my dad's side. So I did have older sure. cousins that were like throwing stuff at me as I was getting to that age of, of listening. Um, and then by that, by that time, you know, 12, 13 years old, you're starting to make your own decisions about what you want. Some of it is in, in, like you said, teenage rebellion in the face of what your parents have, have brought you through. And, oh, and yeah. now, and now you used to listen to good music. Now you listen to crap. What's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> this isn't crap, dad. Black flag is artistic. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Right. You uh-huh. know, um, but yo, know, I, I looked at it too and I'm like, all right, so if I broke it down to the earliest, it's mom and dad. Sure. And you know, growing up with two parents that were, 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 both from the Appalachia mindset, uh, dad more so than mom. Dad comes from the holler. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I <laughs> okay. mean, it's up in the mountains in Floyd, Virginia. All right. And my mom was on the outskirts of, of the Roanoke Metroplex, if you want to call it that, you know, in Roanoke County, uh, close to the Floyd border, county border, or county line, I guess you would call it. Um, you know, I grew up a lot with the classic country kind of, you know, uh, Loretta Lynn, you know, Johnny Cash, you know, sure. Th- th- those kind of things. And, and, um, really still enjoy that in, in bits and spurts now, not, not so much, you know, an everyday thing, but I do enjoy the classic country. And then my love for bluegrass comes from, from my dad as well. I mean, he, he was, um, there's a, um, a blue, a bluegrass festival. There is the bluegrass festival uh, that oh, yeah. ha- has happened every year except for this year and one other during World War Two. Uh huh. Since like the late thirties, I think it is. Um, it's the Galax Fiddlers. Yeah, yeah, Galax Fiddlers Convention. And I, I was, you know, I, I started going to that about twelve, thirteen years old, up through college, and then kind of fell out of it. But you know that the love for for that definitely came from dad because mom couldn't stand bluegrass so so, um but yeah and and then my mom on the other hand was very much uh affixed in the pop era Mm -hmm. um she was a big fan of like elvis uh mamas and the papas peter paul and mary a lot of like harmony based groups sure uh simon and garfunkel those type of things were always like playing either in the car or at home when we were 
you know, when dad wasn't around. Okay. Dad's, dad's around, it's all classic country. Yeah, so, there, you know, that's an interesting tie-in because uh, my mom and dad have some overlap in their taste in music um, back in those years, for sure. But I would say that my um, my mom definitely had an affinity for, for uh, I guess, the, the pop craft, the pop song. Um, right. Now, uh, she really enjoyed uh, the early Beatles. I want to hold your hand and stuff like that. Uh, so, I, you know, that was that was on the radio still quite a bit when I was a kid, and she would always sing along with it. She really liked that. She liked songs that were kind of like "Downtown" by Petula Clark. Uh, oh my God! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, things. So, so we're, we're we're talking that same nest of 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 uh, bubblegum pop. Yeah, a little bit bubblegummy. But you know what's interesting is she also liked stuff that maybe had a, a bit of a Motown flavor to it, and I don't even know if she was aware of it. Uh, or anything that maybe had a bit of a soulful rhythm. I'm going to name a couple of songs that I remember her liking, and they stuck with me, and I still like them. Um, and I don't remember who sings each one of them. But one of them is called Dancing in the Moonlight. Um, yes. And the other one's called Build Me Up Buttercup. Right. Um, so both of those are, you know, crafted pop songs, but they got a, you know, a, a, a vibey and slightly swaying, danceable quality to them, and she yeah. liked both of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was different than like what my dad really liked. And what my dad really liked was my dad is from central Alabama. And although that would immediately possibly conjure something that is more country sound, the truth is he, he's from a small, he's from a, uh, he's from in the greater Birmingham area. And he grew up listening uh, to what was rock and roll is that it was appearing before Elvis uh, popularized it. So he really likes rock and roll, and I, I'm just going to quote him directly. He likes real rock and roll before the Beach Boys ruined it. That's a quote. You, you know what? I can't disagree with him too much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I understand where he's coming from, and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. to him, it's not an evolution. It's, hey, there was the sound, and then it changed, and, and I don't appreciate it. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think every generation gets that, though, because— Oh, sure. I mean, you know, my dad and mom with the, you know, classic country and and really rock and roll and country had so much crossover at that time, or pop, I guess, you know, like Willie Nelson was having hits on both kinds of radio stations, you know, the country western and the rock stations or the pop stations. And so there was a lot of, of carryover or crossover between those two, but I think every generation looks at the next generation and goes, oh, that's crap. Why do you listen to that? Yeah, you know? I have friends who still talk about, you know, they liked this form of punk rock before it got ruined. You know, that's it's yeah. a common phenomena. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, as soon as as soon as the popular music becomes popular and and people are accusing of selling out and, you know, as a musician, yeah, I want to write original stuff that's great, but I want to sell out like a monster at this point, man. Yeah, I want to sure. have that one hit wonder and 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 be called a sellout because that's i mean yes we we get into this for the artistic properties of it as well and and creating art and there's the performance aspect but good lord we got to get paid and (laughs) yeah i I got no qualms with uh the local radio station playing my song three times a day (laughs) right no qualms with it at all for a summer and never playing it again i'm fine with that so i think one of the things that threw me off when i first answered in my head no no there's no such band that i like is that 
musically, the sensibility in my house growing up was not really about about bands exactly. My parents were not album uh, owners. They didn't they didn't really invest in long playing records. They bought right, so they, they bought forty fives. Forty fives, which was the the style of the day, and it was also akin to you can buy the hits. You know, and and let's face it, you know, at, early on the album was not really a, val- a valid artistic piece. It was a collection of your radio singles. Yeah, absolutely. So that was something that was coming about and changing around the time that you and I came into this world, where it mm-hmm. st- started becoming more of a phenomena that you had to think about the whole album as a piece, and that's what you were selling. Well, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I hate to hate to double back and go to the beach boys but that whole summer of sergeant pepper and pet sounds yeah yeah you know that was the concept album that was the definitive moment for concept albums and so yeah it's 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 a you know as we approach our 53rd rotation around this the sun (laughs) you know that the album has not been around very long (laughs) right (laughs) yeah well and so and that's not really part of my imprint and i hadn't even thought of that before because and and here's where it comes back to an imprint in my own tastes and that is um i didn't grow up with the album as part of my imprint and i really didn't even grow up with performance-based music as being part of my imprint although i think you did for me it was much more about was this a good was this a good song and what made a song enjoyable had a lot to do with how many people might enjoy it um and what made a song cool was how few people in the family might enjoy it if you played it which i think informed my dad's sensibilities some of the the, the more raw and rock raucous stuff but right. I didn't even think about it until I was like, well, what does my dad like? And as you know, um, uh, and I'm thinking of the times I've heard him sing along with Gene Vincent or uh, earlier, like uh, Bo Diddley or earlier stuff than that. He certainly liked everything on the American Graffiti soundtrack. Right. And, um, and to a degree likes Elvis. Um, but then again, who doesn't? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Elvis is in, he's, it's like Mojo Nixon. Elvis is in everything. <laughs> well, you know he is. He I mean, is. I mean, there, if you look back at, you know, I'm, I'm big about looking at uh, standing on the shoulders of, of of our forefathers when it comes to musical things, and we're all building on something else. But if you look at who, like who your favorite musician is today, they're going to say, you know, my influence was X. And you go back and you read about X or an interview with them, and they say, yeah, my influence was this and by the time you get to that third degree back somebody has already spouted off elvis and the beatles sure sure because it's in there well it's ubiquitous i mean (laughs) you 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 can start an elvis song and and a lot of people are going to start singing along you know yeah so that speaks to uh the the sensibility of songcraft and delivering a single that people are going to latch onto and that they're going to travel with and I think that exactly. that heritage goes all the way back to popular sheet music even before uh, wax cylinders or you know well I think I think even further back than that I mean you and I had a discussion not too long ago about the difference or, or defining what the Appalachia music sound is right and, right and we talked a little bit about bluegrass and old time and. You know the the funny thing is, you know, the old time music. When I was working in that field for a while, what you would find out is everybody knew the same songs. 
everybody knew you know this song or that song and they were always in the same key and they were always in the same form and you got to show your your talent during the improvisational breaks is what they call it in 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 that genre solos uh and and you know we we as humans have been carrying some of these songs like um scarborough fair yeah is that melody has been around you know it predates written music and it just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back in different forms of different flavors but it's still you know its essence is there and so we've been carrying good tunes around for a long time and mm-hmm. i don't think it's just the advent of technology well you know, because yeah. we're still playing we're still playing you know there is there are still people out there playing at least in you know the appalachia kind of flavor um, bluegrass and old time that are that are learning from the old masters of you know these songs that have been handed down for generations now i think that is almost like a if you will like a sourdough or a yeast culture there's a cycle of imprints that keeps traveling right right and and when you get down to it the, the we're, we're still using that same yeast that somebody was brewing up back in the 1600s <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um so you know to that point uh even though i really um even though i really enjoy albums and you and i talk at length about enjoying music as a performed art and the and that there's no real substitution for seeing music played live and enjoying that performance it's that that imprint of songcraft and what goes into a song that's uh catchy but not schmaltzy um memorable but not uh but not average and not unsurprising you know what you know whether lyrically or melodically and uh you know there's got to be something about it that's really unique even if it's like really odd vocables about you know um uh the little choral choral sounds that people might make i'm trying to think of a good example but unfortunately i'm thinking of later stuff like 90s music like uh you know the rentals doing you know uh, <laughs> beach boys did a lot of them but yeah 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 just yeah. just just beautiful melodies and yeah. counterpunct counterpunctual melodies and, and great harmony lines and and just cleverness and, and i you know we could we could spend a whole we could spend a whole podcast probably a whole slew of podcasts talking about what makes a great song but um i don't want to open up that can of worms tonight for sure but you know it's it's one of those things it's like like you said with the live music and and the continual imprint that happens with that the continual live imprint that that follows song to song yeah, like a daisy chain and you're right it's more than just the song craft itself but i am saying you know what it's interesting that ultimately that imprint comes down to um that that song dna but if that can be crafted into something that's you know more of escape like an album or you know a, a, a general sound that's more performance driven you know you growing you, your your childhood in the uh in the old timey and the bluegrass stuff i mean that's a very very performance driven heritage yes and uh and i really that's not part of my original imprint i mean I, yeah sure i saw bands play but in terms of understanding that uh as an experience was something I really came to later in life. Um, I think that had more to do with going to a rock concert for the first time um, at Hampton Coliseum. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great place to yeah. see the show. Yeah. Who'd you see there? Uh, it was the Jay Giles band on their freeze frame tour. Oh, dude, that's stunning. And uh, yeah, I think I was maybe in maybe in eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, speaking of imprints, that's a later imprint than the the the, the early one, but it's it certainly left an imprint on the O. Well, this is what it's all about, you know. Um, and uh, it wasn't too far into the '80s where uh, that that '70s rock ethic had gone away, and what a concert should be right. like. So, can I tell you my first Hampton show? Yeah. It was. It was. Well, eleven years ago, uh, I went down and saw Fish. Oh in wow! Yeah, yes. yeah. That there's no better place to see a psychedelic band concert than than Hampton, the, the mothership. I mean, it is just yeah, the uh, yeah the, mm. uh, the the mothership is uh, you know it's it's quite the quite the phenomena you know and um, anyway you know with Hampton being my hometown, I've got. I have a full texture of people's uh, stories and perspectives on that, um, which is pretty fun. Yeah, because uh, yeah. everybody, everybody that anybody—I don't want to say everybody—anybody that's gone to see a show at Hampton will remember that. <laughs> right. I mean, it, just the architecture of the building itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it made quite a splash when it opened. That's for sure. Indeed, indeed. So. What what was the what was the band that you carried over or the artist that you carried over from your dad? Well, I decided from dad that it really came down to anything that was uh, specifically uh, real rock and roll, um, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I I can't really limit that, but I do know that anytime I put on anything that could be in the 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 general stew of like. You know Chuck, uh, Chuck Berry, Bill Haley, Gene Vincent, Bo Diddley, early rock, yeah, Little Richard, yeah. pre sixty four, pre sixty four, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, all of that, and the truth is, you know, uh, from time to time, this is what really, this is what really struck me. From time to time, I'll just put that on out of nowhere because I just feel like, you know, I feel like it's a good time to listen to that, and it's more than mood music. There's something inside of it where I feel like I'm at home. And I'm like, right. oh yeah. So I got that from Dad. Yeah, right on, right on. What about your mom? You know, uh, in addition to liking some of the, uh, you know, the early Beatles stuff, um, you know, I want to hold your hand and more pop stuff like Downtown and and uh, Dancing in the Moonlight. Um, uh, th- this is the oddest thing. I don't know. I don't know how or why because it's not from her background. But she latched on to. Um, onto tenor male tenor opera i i think it might have been that the movie student prince with mario lanza was out when she was in like maybe late high school or early college oh, gotcha gotcha uh, but well, that she, makes sense but she really glommed onto that so there were uh there were a, a couple records and then later cassettes around the house of uh tenors singing the hits um, I'm pretty familiar with, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Luciano Pavarotti's Neapolitan love songs. That got some heavy rotation. Oh, so, I'm so sorry, dude. I know, I know it's weird, right? But, uh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, this is, this is fancy music. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, this is what we listen to when we're having a nice dinner and we want to be fancy people. So, right. Yeah. You know, that's funny because um, 
my mom recently i it's just been the last couple of years told me a story now my father's past um it'll be 13 years i think yeah coming up or just past and um uh mom told the story she says i know where you got your classical ear from because that, that's how the country folk describe musical talent he's got the ear he's got a good ear right type thing. right and she goes, I know where you got your classical ear from. And I'm like, okay, I'm all, I'm all ears, so to speak. <laughs> and um, she said, when, when I was a baby and, and, and still being bottle-fed and nursed and whatever, um, my father, when it was his time to spend time with me and feeding or just in the rocking chair or whatever, would cut on the new local NPR station. Uh, shout out to WVTF, <laughs> who who's still in operation today, um, and he would he would make sure that I was listening to classical music as I was as he was sitting with me, and he wow. really did he did not have an affinity for it, but he thought you know this can't be bad, and it keeps me quiet. And I was he said mom said that I was genuinely engaged in the music. I would move you know body parts to the music or whatever even as a young child so you know that imprint is going way back i mean pre me thinking about it pre not you know acknowledging it or whatever just knowing that you know that i don't want to say subliminally because i was i was no but fully I mean, aware of, but you know i don't have memories of it but it was very a very sharp and livid memory for my mom yeah that's a great story to have that's actually something i didn't think that we'd be able to get into in this conversation because i don't i don't know what that is myself you would require someone you know outside of your own uh, memory uh, and story ability to know about a very early formative influence, but I right. mean, I, I don't think that can be undersold. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. It, it it is, and I you know, and up until this time, I could never explain why I was attracted to that music so much. You know what what normal? I don't want to say what normal kid, but you know, just in in society in general, what fifth yeah. grader picks the violin when they come around and say all right who wants to play an instrument oh yeah and who wants to play the violin and i'm <laughs> over there going ooh, 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 me, 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 me. Right. i want to i want to it's outside the average for sure yeah, well yeah um and and so you know it was it was it was an aha moment of going ah that explains this cursed life that i live okay <laughs> It all goes back to dad and yeah. me hitting the bottle listening to classical music. Yeah, that's that's where it started. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So I'm interested in your immediate experience in something. You are around a lot of people right now. I'll just say this. You're around people who are inside of an imprint phase of their life. Right. You, you actually teach kids. I do. And Scary thought in and of uh, itself, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But yes, I do. Yes. Oh, right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the adults in the room. How'd that happen? <laughs> oh, God. Um, so w what part What part of what you either bring with you as part of your imprint or part of your, uh, your, own, your own education are you extending inside of that imprint in your day-to-day -day with that? Um, you know, it, 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 it kind of it varies from, from student to student, really. Sure. Um, you know, I've got one kid that's a cello student that I'm I'm all the time saying, "Hey, check out this recording of this group of players, or check out this guy." 
you know, and and you know, he's been blessed to see a really good cellist that guests at the Lynchburg Symphony. He does it. He goes around as a fundraiser type thing. His name is Zul Bailey. And uh, he, he's one of my one of my things where I can say I've performed twice with a Grammy Award winner, um, <laughs> but it's you know it's a fundraiser for the symphony. He comes in and does like a week's worth of going around to the schools and and stuff right, like that. Yeah. So when I when I tried to imprint him with that, he's like, oh yeah, he came last month and it was really cool. We got to see him play. I'm like, all right, cool. So imprint has stuck with that one. Um, you know, I'm. I'm a big sharer of things that I like. Um, right. You know, I've got a I've got an adult beginner cello student, uh, wonderful lady. She just retired from the hospital services here in 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 the Central Virginia area, and um, she's got a you know a huge appetite for music and loves just everything. And so right. you know, turning her on to stuff that I like that maybe she hasn't heard. You know, and and giving that imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so is is she brand new to playing anything at all? Or no, she you know like she plays around on the guitar. She played piano as a child and is you know taking piano lessons again as, as well as cello lessons. So she's you know she's a she's a musical person, mm-hmm. and it and um, you know she's just an enamored with you know talking about. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks band as she is about you know the the latest symphony concert so right yeah you know that that's the kind of thing and and f- for me you know I think you know this has been an interesting conversation because it shows our early you know obviously our early imprints but it it kind of shows how our our musical tastes were formed yeah in, in, yeah they, in a manner and if anything you know I'm for me, it's broadening the person's um, acceptance of things they may not have listened to or heard about. Yeah, so you know, it our own imprints are kind of like the center of a foil ball, and then we begin to stack you know new layers on top of that. Exactly, and, and sometimes you you like people that would talk to me now like you 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 really like georgia jones yes i do a great deal <laughs> but you're a symphony member yeah yeah that's right i am yeah i am and yeah. i also play jazz and i also play in a rock group and i've been known to play drums for a country band. i credit my dad's taste in uh in early rock for my early appreciation of the ramones and how that led me down a path of uh of other punk exactly. exploration exactly because one does lead to another and as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen. Let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places that you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Pandora, and many others, as well as our home at madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos and extra podcast content on our Facebook page. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe.